Yeah, so today we have people from uh, Youth Think Climate and Climate Commerce. Uh, they're all our fellow ACE fellows, and they're going to introduce themselves now. I'm Leanne. I'm from Youth Think Climate, and I'm from the Central Florida ACE Fellowship. Hi, I'm, I'm also from Youth Think Climate and the Central Florida ACE Fellowship. Hi, I'm Ardra. Um, I'm part of Youth Think Climate, and I'm from the Madison, Wisconsin Fellowship. I'm Julian. Um, I'm from uh, Youth Think Climate, and I'm from the Madison, Wisconsin ACE Fellowship. Hey everyone, I'm Lalo. I am part of the Miami-Dade ACE Fellowship, and I'm also part of Climate Commerce. Um, I'm Mario Nakasco. I'm with uh, Youth Talk Climate and Climate Commerce, too. Uh, hosting this discussion, it's me, Kali. And also hosting, um, my name is Sophie. And we're both from the Dane County, Wisconsin Youth Fellowship. So kind of to start, I want you guys to talk about what your projects within ACE are. We can start with Youth Think Climate. If anyone from there wants to tell us what is Youth Think Climate and what have you guys been working on? Yeah, I can start. So Youth Think Climate is an international youth-led magazine centered on making like the youth voice heard. Um, youth Think Climate was created in response to COVID-19 and the lack of ability for young people to express their voices on the climate crisis and our concerns. And we're currently working on a, our second edition focusing on climate justice and the youth perspective. What's been your favorite part about working on Youth Think Climate? It's really nice to see all the submissions and like all the ideas and thoughts people have on different topics. Our first edition was on climate denial so that one was really interesting to hear about youth perspectives on. And then it's also really interesting to do interviews and because we get to talk with a lot of people we wouldn't regularly talk to. Like in our first edition, we interviewed Vic Barrett and that was really interesting. Yeah, I agree with Arjo. One of my favorite parts of working on the magazine is just the aspect of the communication and collaboration with other youth voices. And um, it's just really interesting and I've learned lots of skills working um, on the magazine. Yeah, beyond the interesting content that we receive, working with the team and working on the magazine itself is also really a new experience because none of us had really designed a magazine before. So we all had to learn how to communicate with each other on online and through Zoom and on a graphic design platform called Canva. Yeah, I think it's really impressive that uh, none of you guys had magazine making uh, experience before this because I've seen your first edition and it looks so professional. It is really interesting. I, I was wondering how many submissions do you usually get? I, I know you've only had two rounds of submissions before, but where do they generally come from and what kind of submissions are they in your experience? Um, for the first edition, we got about uh, like 50 submissions and then for the second edition I'd say 75. The majority of them come from the United States but we have had a few from other countries just around the world. I'd say there's lots of poetry and lots of artwork but we also do get lots of like essays and narratives too. That's so amazing. There's an age range of people who have been submitting, correct? Yeah, we've had submissions from people as young as the age of 10 to 30 years old. 
So our next group that we're interviewing today is uh, Climate Commerce. We have Mario and Lalo here today to talk to us about it. So what is Climate Commerce and um, what do you guys do? So Climate Commerce came out of the idea that in the realization that a lot of small businesses, um, the majority, really aren't given the same opportunities to become sustainable as larger ones are. Um, larger businesses, um, when you're talking about you know, multi-million dollar corporations, they have the financial ability to be able to hire outside experts and to be able to start really like restructuring from the inside how they'll adopt more like a, a circular approach to their business. Um, small businesses, unfortunately, aren't really able to do that. Um, simply because they aren't, they don't have the resources to do it or like the available capital. So Climate Commerce is focused on providing them with those resources, not necessarily capital, but just with the resources and um, the insight into how they can take small steps to become more sustainable. Um, just more simpler things that at the end of the day, when like, you know, compounded can have a large collective effect can significantly reduce um, their ecological footprints. What kind of examples of businesses have you worked with uh, so far? I don't think we've worked with any businesses. Um, we just, I think we've mostly been just kind of like um, doing the prep work before going work with businesses. So what I've been doing is like, I've been looking at uh, sort of grants and tax, tax breaks at uh, the IRS, statewide laws, and even county laws. What like breaks it can give businesses. On some things, it'll like give you like a loan and then you just pay back this loan on really low interest rates. Um, so it's not like a bank loan where you go, go out and take it and the interest rate is pretty high. Uh, these are just kind of like minimal to none. You just have to pay it back. And it, they're pretty cool because they're also set. Um, you can pay them off in like a decade. So it's not like a short amount of time. It's, it gives you a good amount of, uh, of time to pay it back. I think it's important uh, definitely to connect small businesses just regarding the loan, you mentioned it was federal, but can like any business or any state apply for it? Or is there like a sort of a sort of rule, like a amount of money that the business is making, et cetera? Uh, there's limits to almost everything, right? But on some, on some, what it'll do, it'll be like, here, you have to buy this amount and it will cover this sort of percentage, but you have to pay it back. So it's like almost for every single business out there. Sort of like it doesn't matter what business it is, as long as they put in money too. If the if they're gonna, if the government's gonna put in money, they have to put in money, and it's just sort of percentages. The the amount of money doesn't really matter as long as you cover the percentage. These next two questions kind of match, uh, so I'm gonna start with the think climate version of it. As people who um, spot awareness about climate change. Uh, and various aspects of it through um, art and poetry and just this really cool zine. What kind of um, power does art give activism, in your opinion? Um, oftentimes with um, climate change, uh, people are bombarded with statistics. So it's very easy to kind of dehumanize the statistics and not realize how large of effect it actually has on you and the people around you. So I think the art submissions, like the personal narratives and even the pictures shows like a visual representation of what is actually happening and puts people's stories out there. 
it's one thing to like put your activism into words but it's another thing to show it artistically because like art can be extremely powerful and everyone can understand it regardless of if you know a language or not and so like for example for climate justice in our second edition our cover photo is probably the most powerful piece i've ever seen on climate justice and so just in general, art can be very powerful and it just shows emotion. Yeah, I think that's that makes total sense. That's a great way to put it. Um, yeah, that was beautiful. Thank you. Um, I guess kind of the other side of that question for my climate commerce people, um, as people who are trying to connect um, this more altruistic goal to something like the private sector, uh, what kind of connections do you think exist between small businesses and activism? One of the things that the program talks about isn't just the um, environmental effects, the positive environmental effects that come about when you increase your sustainability, but also the, the social and cultural ones. Small businesses are unique in that they have a very personal relationship between you know, their service or their products and the customer, as opposed to larger ones. Oftentimes, you know, you don't see them face to face, like it's not brick and mortar, so you aren't as directly connected. So when you have these small businesses that all of a sudden are now, you know, mindful of and promoting sustainable goods, sustainable methods, and then you have customers coming in and are like experiencing that firsthand, there's a direct um, correlation between, you know, customers being exposed to it and then them wanting to take that in into their own lives and see how it can apply to them. So I think what's often overlooked, um, and again, it's something that we put a, a specific focus on, isn't just targeting like the environmental effects, but also the positive impacts that come about from becoming more environmental, but those effects, how they have, um, how they directly impact um, social and cultural, you know, just ways of thinking and ways of being able to move forward. So yeah, I appreciate that question because I think that it's pretty crucial to our mission going beyond just environmental and trying to tie everything in. Yeah, that well said. I, that makes a lot of sense. Small businesses are so important to the community. Um, and it's always important to lift them up and help them make positive changes. This next question is a very ace question. Uh, and since we're all ace fellows, I'm just going to open it to all of you guys. Um, um, what got you into climate activism? How did you kind of get here uh, to the point where you're an ACE fellow and in your free time, you do things like this? What brought me into activism and like, especially climate change activism is just like, I'm kind of tired of just seeing like the world slowly start to die off. Cause so like every day, it's like a bunch of trees are getting cut off. Uh, there's like forest fires all the time now, floodings. And there's just like people who are unnecessarily getting affected by, um, things that can easily just be stopped if we just invest in the right places and the right sectors and we stop using um, all this coal and all this like harsh uh, uh, byproducts that are affecting the like earth and just killing us off. So I'm, I, that's pretty much what got me into it. Just like, why are we doing this? It's time to stop. We can easily change. Yeah, I agree. It's climate change is not something you can ignore like when you walk outside and it's super hot you don't you probably question why is it so hot and this feels really bad 
what can I do to stop this? And also, when a hurricane comes by, you see that the community shuts down and also the power is out and the schools are out too. But then you also see the community coming together right after, which is really powerful. And I think that we can harness this passion and then take um, everybody to join this movement. I think what got me into climate activism was my experiences with it. Because I've lived in the hottest country in the world and like I've seen some of the worst like record hitting floods in the world. And I've also traveled a lot to different countries. And it's really weird to see the difference in air quality and stuff like that, just general differences. And it's really easy to ignore climate change when you live in certain places in the United States or like very, like if you're lucky enough to live in those areas, but it shouldn't be ignored because the rest of the world has to deal with those problems. My experience with climate change prior to actually getting into the activism is just about like, the opposite of what Arj was talking about. Um, I, although I live in a frontline community, Miami, um, I've fortunately never experienced a flood. Um, hurricanes kind of just come and go, but they don't really cause any structural damages to the places I've lived in. So for me, what really got me into climate activism was when I was, was when I was shown like the actual manifestation of it in my local community. I'd always associated climate change with a far off issue, something that was going to be dealt with in the future, or that we were only going to start seeing the effects of in the future. It was when I realized that there are immediate impacts that, like as we speak, people are being displaced, not just all around the world, but really in my community in, in particular as well. And I think once I was able to internalize and process the, the drastic like, social suffering that's caused by climate change, that I was really able to just become active in it. Um, I think that's what propelled me into the movement, was realizing that it was beyond myself, essentially. And that it wasn't that my privilege was really masking um, a different reality that others face. I guess um, another thing I want to ask that's kind of full group is all of us in this uh, Zoom call here uh, are in high school or freshman in college. Um, but we're all pretty young as far as um, climate activism goes or really any activism uh, goes. So I'm wondering, in your opinion, why is it significant? Um, has it created any barriers for you? Um, does it kind of add to your motivation? What, what do you think it means to be a young climate activist? I think it shows people that regardless of what your age is, you're old enough to have your own opinions and to take in your own information and interpret it however you like. And I think as a young person, there's definitely a lot of opposition that comes with it. But that's true of any, anything you do. Um, my next question, I um, kind of want to ask the climate comics people more specifically. Um, I know often in our everyday lives when people talk about trying to take major steps to make climate change bad in general, uh, there's kind of this false dichotomy introduced that says, well, we can either address climate change or we can try to have a good economy. 
And as you guys are kind of working with small businesses, what kind of are your thoughts? Do you think in do you think it's possible to do both? Is what I'm wondering. I guess I'll start off by saying that when you go sustainable, one of the the main things that you're doing, or at least that we're encouraging, is for like less resource consumption. And so when you use less resources, whether it be electricity, water, or food, if applicable, um, you're basically cutting down on costs. So something we talk about is how becoming sustainable has direct positive impacts on the bottom line. Um, And then you can scale that up as well. Like you see now, larger companies are talking about circular models where they look in like their entire supply chain as well as what they do in-house to see how they can become more socially and environmentally responsible. And those have positive financial benefits. So there's definitely a connection between the two. Um, And I think you mentioned at one point before you asked that last question, I think there was something I wanted to, I forgot what it was specific, but um, I wanted to mention as well how something we talk about too is um, wading into sustainability as opposed to just jumping into it directly. And there are like financial strains, definitely. If you decide to go all in and like the, the higher end of becoming, Becoming sustainable is definitely expensive when you're talking about replacing um, different appliances and kind of just going completely digital and, you know, eliminating paper. Like those things do cost money. But something that we talk about specifically since, again, our target audience is small businesses, is that it's important to build momentum and work towards that. Um, And of course, you experience financial benefits um, in that way. And eventually, you know, if you get the momentum and you are in a position where you can invest more in yourself, um, then you know you become more sustainable. And in becoming more sustainable, you do experience better profits. So um, the two are positively correlated. Yeah, is it okay if I drop a few statistics? So in Florida, just by follow, following the Paris Climate Accord, we would have 100,000 deaths, 400 ER visits, and then 100, sorry, 10 million lost days of work, which would amount to $750 billion if we don't, if we're just following following the Paris Climate Accord for the next 10 years. Yeah, I think it's very important to bring that up. Uh, Like Lalu so eloquently said, economic growth does happen uh, with taking measures towards sustainability the opposite is even more true if we do nothing in the end there's definitely a lot more negative consequences i think maybe a question that's a little bit directly linked to that could also be kind of like in your opinion do you think that there is value in trying to have many many people going living more sustainably or do you think that there's it's more valuable to try to get laws changed and talk to cooperations directly that are making bigger, huge impacts in destroying our earth. Just wondering kind of what your take there. Yeah, people, it's, it's better for people to start living more sustainably since politics tend to move slow and so do laws, but people can move faster. So like if you move faster, if you get people to start living more sustainably, and especially if you start getting small businesses to move more sustainably, um, you start setting a trend. And when you start setting trends, you start setting trends in politics and then politics can move forward. So I think by having people starting to move, uh, move more towards sustainability, you'll get a trend in politicians and corporations moving sustainably because they want votes. I want to ask, um, this is another full group question. As ACE fellows, how has being involved with ACE affected your 
activism uh, or your views on climate change in general? Um, for you, think climate ACE has really been um, a very supportive and helpful during the entire process. Um, they've uh, one of their like I don't know. They've really helped us by like promoting us on their social media, and they have a huge reach. Um, yeah, I don't think we'd be able to get um, half as many submissions without their help. Um, and they're always providing like resources, and yeah, so it's been really great to work with them. Regarding kind of this year, it's been hard for everybody. Um, and regarding climate change in general, it is easy to feel kind of hopeless about it. But here you guys all are making change in the world. So what kind of keeps you motivated or um, what gives you hope about the direction uh, we've taken in recent times? And uh, also what kind of positive shift, if any, have you seen in recent years that makes you think that things are going to get better? For me, I think what's helped um, keep me hopeful is just fighting for like small wins. I think when I entered just the climate movement, I was expecting just large scale change. I didn't really know. Mario talked about politics moving slowly and that's, I 100% agree with that. It's way too slow, but I didn't really process that at the time. Um, knowing how slow things can be now, um, I guess I've reframed my mentality to just expect smaller things and work towards them. So for example, last year, Miami Beach and my, the city of Miami Beach and the city of Miami both declared states of climate emergency following youth-led protests. So that was, in, in the grand scheme of things, a small win, but something that is definitely worth fighting for. Um, Miami did just got um, a Democratic mayor called, well, the new, Daniela Livincava, sorry. She was just elected the new mayor of the city of Miami. And she ran on like basically a climate change ticket and restoring the environment and like specifically the waters of Biscayne Bay. So again, in the grand scheme of things, not a huge um, thing that everyone can celebrate, but it's something that local residents can and we do. So what keeps me hopeful is just fighting for those smaller ones, um, not expecting anything too great, but just working for those, for yeah, those little victories. For me, it's definitely the submissions, just seeing that so many people have opinions on it and things they want to say is really impressive and inspiring. And then also, this isn't as traditional, but I remember after we first posted the picture of our first edition of the magazine, our Instagram got like a couple comments from people like denouncing it and like saying it was really bad and stuff like that and we weren't supporting a good cause. And we like to this day, we still get like a bunch of spam emails about that type of stuff. And just the fact that people like are putting the energy into denouncing us and like talking bad about us is kind of empowering in a way because it shows that like they think we might be able to make change and they don't want that to happen. Wow. Thank you for saying that. So empowering. I love that you can take something like that and just see how if someone is trying to work against you, you clearly are onto something. Thank you. Um, something inspiring me is just this call, three like climate, youth-led climate organizations from all across the country just coming together and talking about like our activism. I think that's incredibly empowering and moving, and I hope that it can inspire other people around the world too. Yeah, I'm grateful to all of you for what you said. Um, I'm feeling a lot better, to be honest, because I, I, for one, have definitely been feeling pretty hopeless about the climate change recently. So 
Um, I guess right now I would ask, um, is there any kind of action steps you would want our listeners to take? You can also plug anything related to uh, what you're doing, your social media, your website, or something here. I'll, um, I'll start with Youth Think Climate. What do you want our listeners to do, and where can they find out more about you? You can follow us on Instagram at Youth Think Climate. And email us with any questions you have at youthinkclimate at gmail.com, no caps um, for either of them. And if you're interested in submitting to future magazine editions, um, you can just email us or there'll be information on our Instagram about that. And, in, and if you're interested to join the team, there's also going to be information sent out about that after our edition finishes. Nice. And uh, Climate Commerce? You can check us out also on Instagram at Climate Commerce. Um, we also have a, a Gmail, climatecommerce at gmail.com. Um, and on the, the Instagram specifically, we have a link in our bio. You can check out the application form and you can sign up to be a part of more of like our executive team. Um, and then also just start a hub in your area. And then if you don't want, for, for those who aren't interested in taking that action, something that you can do just, I guess, in, in your own time and in your own way, is just further the conversation around sustainability. Um, I mentioned earlier how it's more about wading into it as opposed to jumping into sustainability. So that can be anything from finding ways to reduce your ecological footprint on a small scale in your own life, um, encouraging others to do the same. So long as we keep the conversation going, um, that's movement in itself. I think I'm pretty much good. Just thank you all for taking the time out of your Friday evening on such a crazy week um, to chat with us. Um, I think this was really empowering and really cool to see, like one of you said earlier, three um, youth-led climate organizations in the same Zoom room. So uh, thank you so much for that.